Welcome to The Great Book, a Tampa Bay Times podcast on Florida education issues. It is 1 o'clock on Wednesday, February 28th, and I'm reporter Jeff Solacek here with our Tallahassee Bureau reporter Emily Mahoney, and we are again ready to talk to you about the latest craziness going on in Tallahassee with all of the bills that have been swirling around as we race to the end of session. So Emily, here we are again. It's a week later, and things we thought couldn't get more hectic than they were, but they did. And I think that Tuesday was the the high point for the conversation. I know these bills are happening again. They couldn't show up on special calendar as early as tomorrow. But does it feel like it's a lull for you right now in Tallahassee? Today is a small break. Yes, um, there are, the Senate and the House are both having floor sessions today. But um, as you said, their big Parkland packages have not hit the floor yet. Um, but there's so much going on up here. I mean, we just saw that poll released today, um, by a university that showed that the, the majority of Floridians oppose arming teachers, uh, which is kind of a blow to the plan that the legislature has been proposing, um, to, that creates a Marshall program that would require 132 hours of training and, uh, that teachers to become basically sworn officers, um, but then they could carry guns in class. And I, you know, that's, it's really interesting. It's something that the Parkland parents have also said that they oppose, um, at least the ones that I've heard speak. Um, and I know that you spoke to some teachers about that kind of more on the ground in schools, and I'd love to hear a little bit more about what they said. Yeah, the teachers, even some students, we talked to them at different places, and, and there's a, just a huge feeling that these people are supposed to be teaching school, protecting the kids by keeping them safe from harm, not running out into harm, not bringing more guns into the schools. And that is something that Governor Scott said this morning, too. He came to Tampa and made a big show of his plan with a lot of superintendents and sheriffs and other people. And his plan does not include arming teachers in any way. He talks about putting SROs into schools. And so I think we're seeing right now the possibility of of a little breaking point between the legislature and the, and the governor. I wonder, though, because I've heard two speculative points on this, and maybe you can shed some light on this. One person sent me a note and said, I wonder if the plan is to have the crazy legislature pass the armed teachers provision, and then Scott can be the reasonable hero to veto such an insane proposal and look great while he's running for Senate. And another person sent me a note and said, well, you know, maybe what's happening here is that the legislature will pass this. The governor will say, well, it's just voluntary anyway, and they're all just setting up school districts to fail because when the school districts don't do it because they don't opt into it, then they can blame them if something bad happens. Have you heard anything about either one of these ideas? Well, that's a really good point, the the optional aspect of it. And that is a big topic of conversation. And it was a big topic yesterday in the Senate Appropriations Committee meeting, which was seven hours long and uh, featured, I mean, most of it centered around 
uh, the debate over this exact topic. And um, like I said, we had Parkland parents come up and give some really emotional testimony. I don't think there was a dry eye in the committee room, which was packed full. And um, a lot of them, like I said, did oppose this. But the point that kept being made by um, Sheriff Grady Judd, who's the sheriff of Polk County, who is kind of leading leading the charge on this, um, and and the, a similar point that the legislators made as well is that this is an optional program and that it would be beneficial, especially in rural areas where they may not have as many people to choose from um, if to hire as school resource officers or their schools might be very far away from police stations and it might take them you know, an extended amount of time to respond to an active shooter situation. And so they were saying, you know, let every district decide what is best for them. Um, and that's definitely a, a big part of of the legislators kind of rebuttal to these these criticisms. But if they go forward with it, they do have to get the agreement of the governor at some point, And then and then they have to get the agreement of the school districts at another point. I just wonder mm-hmm. if this is just an idea that's a talking point rather than a a um, actual plan. Right. And it, what's interesting, too, is I think all eyes are on Florida right now. I mean, Florida has always been kind of a bellwether state politically. But I mean, now we have President Trump weighing in and saying that he thinks teachers should be armed and the governor to break away from a Trump talking point is unusual. So I, I mean, it'll be really interesting to see. But right now, I mean, the the teacher Marshall program is part of the, the legislature's entire package. So if Governor Scott were to theoretically veto that, he would have to veto everything else. And that's kind of what the problem that comes when the legislature decides to package things together like they have kind of gotten into the habit of doing in recent years. Yeah, that was last year's big issue with 7069. It was the big fight over 7055, which we still have to talk about. That also came up in appropriations. But I noticed that the Democrats... Um, they would say things like, I like this bill except for this piece, whether it was the vouchers in 7055 or whether it was the marshals in, in this bill on school security. And they want to, at some point, say that they support what they're doing, but they feel sort of like they're left out. And have they shown any indication of flexibility at all? Yeah, that's definitely something that we keep hearing from the Democrats. Um, and I think with this program... It seems to me, I mean, the something that uh, Senator Rob Bradley, who's the chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee, said yesterday um, when conference committee was starting, he said, Parkland changed everything. This is our entire focus. And no matter, it, it seems like everything else has taken a back seat. Uh, all the other issues this session has taken a back seat after the shooting. But at the same time, I mean, they've spent a lot of time on this package. Uh, it's seen as a collaborative effort um, after listening to parents and listening to law enforcement. And it seems like they're barreling ahead with what they have. Um, you know, I it, it a lot of the Parkland parents, like I said, objected to certain pieces. But a, a lot of them also said yesterday during Senate appropriations that they see it as a first step um, because this is a state that hasn't imposed any kind of gun access restrictions in a really long time. So I think even those who oppose pieces of it think that this is probably better than doing nothing. Here I've pulled a voice clip from one of the Parkland City Commissioners, Grace Solomon, who basically made that point just so people can hear it. So we'll just take a quick listen to that. While we believe that a ban on assault weapons is probably more appropriate, and we believe that large capacity um, cartridges 
should be banned. We understand that compromise is needed here. We understand that we need to come together as one and make an example to all the kids that were here last week and show them that this is the way government can run. Compromises can be made. Politics can be put aside. We can reach across the aisle and shake each other's hand and come up with some agreement that is beneficial for both sides. The one thing that I did notice, though, was that now that that bill got through, they started to push through everything else pretty quickly. So higher education bill that had been a priority of the Senate started moving quickly after having been gone for two weeks, three weeks in the House. The House bill on pre-K through 12, 7055, started to all of a sudden have some of the House priorities back in it as it moved through appropriations. And some of it was pretty feisty there too, wasn't it? I mean, especially the union piece. Definitely, definitely. And uh, yes, when 7055 came up yesterday, uh, Senator Dennis Baxley had sponsored an amendment to put the, the teachers union provision back in after it was removed in its last committee hearing, as we talked about in our previous or one of our previous podcasts. I'm losing track. <laughs> but he proposed to put that language back in. And um, I actually spoke to the Broward County Teachers Union in the hallway after the after the committee did vote to approve to put that back into 7055. And, you know, they were really upset. They said, you know, my friends died stepping in front of bullets to protect kids in Parkland. And now they feel uh, kind of personally targeted by this language. Um, I think we've talked about before that this this provision would only apply to teachers unions and it requires them to maintain 50% of all eligible union members have to be paying dues. Um, otherwise the union has to appeal or risk being uh, decertified. And so they feel personally attacked by this. Um, they feel that it's coming at a, at a really sensitive time for teachers. And it was interesting. Uh, one Republican did vote um, uh, with the Democrats Otherwise, it was split completely along party lines. But um, Senator or I'm sorry, Representative. Um, nope. Senator Anna Terry Flores from Miami. She said that she voted against 7055 um, specifically because the union language was back in there. I, I really found the argument fascinating. I've heard lawmakers make it and some teachers make it that the lawmakers who vote for this are holding the unions to a higher standard than they hold themselves because they want 50% plus one of all eligible teachers who could possibly be part of the union, whereas I don't think you can name a lawmaker who was elected by 50% plus one of all people who are eligible to vote for them. Exactly. And we actually asked Senator Baxley about that afterwards, and he said um, he said that it wasn't a fair comparison because you have to have a representative or a senator from every district, but you don't have to have a union. And therefore, it should be representative of all the people who are eligible. But uh, I think that, you know, that obviously the, the teachers take huge issue with this. And um, I, I was honestly a little surprised to see it come back after it was so emotional last time uh, when they decided to take it out in a previous Senate committee. I mean, Senator Thurston got all teary-eyed when he was talking about the same thing, about teachers jumping in front of bullets and we can't target these people. And um, But yet, here it is, it's back again. I just wonder how disingenuous Senator Baxley is being in saying what he told you because they may not have to have a union, but collective bargaining is permissible and a right in the Florida Constitution for teachers and others. And so 
Maybe the union can't do it, but somebody's going to collectively bargain, and collective means a group. Definitely, definitely. I mean, yeah, and Florida is a right-to-work state, and I mean, the unions do a lot other other than their primary our primary goal, which is to advocate for you know working conditions and salaries and things like that. I mean, the teachers' unions are constantly up here in Tallahassee, um, arguing against bills that that they feel are not beneficial to teachers or public schools and things like that. And so, uh, you know, a, a bill that would threaten their existence would change significantly change the landscape uh, of public education as we know it. Maybe that's exactly what the lawmakers are after, not being challenged so much. Maybe. Who knows? (laughs) But when I saw that piece added back in, along with the reading scholarship and the In God We Trust motto being placed in all the public schools and a couple of other little pieces, I felt like this bill is poised to move again. The Senate didn't remove all of its language that it wanted, like fixing up the schools of hope piece that... um, Last year, they wanted to extend the money to the public schools more, and this year their bill would do it that way. I just wonder what the trade-offs are going to be, and we should know within a week, week and a half, right? I mean, they have really little time left to do that. Yep, yep. And it's interesting because budget conference started last night at 730. It was a super brief meeting, but a bunch of senators and a bunch of Republican or uh, representatives from the House all gathered together. And um, Representative Trujillo, who's the chair of all of of the um, conference committee, who's in charge of making sure that the Senate and the House can reach an agreement on on basically everything that's left, um, said straight out that he thinks that the session will end on time and that they will have um, a comprehensive budget done, ready to go on the desk on Tuesday of next week. And so uh, all of these trade-offs and all of these, hor- like all of the horse trading that needs to happen should be wrapping up soon. And, and to me, that was an indication that they've really already made the deals. Uh, they know what what's going to go through and what's not going to go through. And now it simply has to happen. So does that mean that all of the bills that haven't made it through their committees are dead? It certainly looks like it. I I mean, most of the policy committees have stopped meeting at this point. Um, I I don't think they're technically dead yet, but (laughs) if anything is stuck in a committee, it's highly unlikely. So speaking of bills that we thought were dead, uh, that campus free speech bill that you and I discussed last time has actually reappeared in uh, the Senate's um, comprehensive university package bill, which is really interesting because it actually got stalled in its last meeting. Um, like we talked about, it was temporarily postponed after it was right about to be voted down. And now here it is again um, in the comprehensive university bill that the Senate has made one of its top priorities. And uh, the word on the street is that it, it's going to make it to the end. Um, and it's going to be part of that package. So, so once, never say never. <laughs> yeah. So once again, though, we see that, you know, you put in the good, the bad and the ugly into a single bill and you hope that enough people like the good to avoid or to ignore the bad or the ugly. And I just wonder how long they can continue to legislate like that, because at some point somebody's going to have to say no. Right. Or, or is this just the way that you're seeing it's going for the future? That's a good question. I'm not sure I totally know the answer, but it seems to be it seems to be definitely more of a style that the House pushes rather than the Senate. Um, it just it an easy example is the package bills that both chambers proposed as a result of the Parkland shooting. The House proposed almost everything into one while the Senate separated it out um, into two or three bills. And so, I mean, both 
both chambers certainly do it, but the House, you know, is where 7055 originated, and it was the Senate's decision to push that House bill through Senate committees, which is a little unusual. And so it seems that the Senate um, is a little bit more concerned about that process, though it doesn't seem like they're concerned enough at this point to really put their foot down. Let's just talk about two more quick things, and then we'll take a breather, and maybe we'll find out something tomorrow. Who knows? But uh, you did some looking at school resource officers and mental health service providers in the schools, and you found some pretty interesting results as to what's there and what's not there. So can you talk a little bit about what you found and what you see happening? Sure. So after the Parkland shooting, we've heard pretty much universal cries across party lines. The governor's on board with this. The legislature's on board with this. Everybody wants more school resource officers and everybody wants more uh, mental health counselors and, and psychologists and social workers in schools. And uh, that's kind of the least controversial part of these these major proposals that are coming out. But I, I wanted to look into how far they would need to go to really make this a reality because Governor Scott has a really ambitious goal of putting one armed uh, campus police officer for every 1,000 students in every school across the state by the beginning of the 2018 school year. Uh, and and what I found is that there's roughly 1,500 um, school resource officers in the state now for its around 4,000 schools. So, I mean, that's obviously not even close to being one per school. And if he wants one per 1,000 students, that would require there to be more than one on certain campuses. And so there's definitely a really long way to go with this. Um, it's something that requires a lot of funding. And um, it, it's we're kind of still figuring out where all this funding is going to come from up here. Um, the governor proposed half a billion dollars uh, for his entire plan. Um, but even, you know, it's just going to be, it's going to be a huge lift, not just for money, but for people. That requires a lot of people. Um, I'm not sure. I've heard from law enforcement agencies that they're not sure that they can really rally the troops and train all these new people by that really ambitious deadline. So there's been talk of whether or not arming teachers will be able to fill that gap in the meantime. Um, on the other hand, school uh, counselors and psychologists are in a really similar boat. Uh, there's a little over 1,300 school psychologists in the state. Um, and that doesn't include counselors and social workers, but they all do slightly different jobs. And there's crossover depending on on what the school situation is. So it's all very complex. But essentially, there's uh, mental health programs in schools are historically underfunded and understaffed. And so if the legislature puts their money where their mouth is, they could definitely help this problem. And everyone's optimistic about more funding. But the question is, will they be able to meet these ambitious goals? And will it make a difference for the next school shooting? Especially when they're trying to look at doing more <clears throat> tax credit scholarships, which I know are not exactly you know, diverting money specifically. They say it's never really tax dollars if it doesn't come in. But if they're taking money out of the general revenue fund and giving tax credits for it, that's money that's not there to do what they say they want to do. 
Exactly. And all these issues are interrelated. I mean, uh, lack of funding for law enforcement in general, especially in rural counties, I've heard uh, also plays a role. You know, when there are um, vacancies in the station, sometimes they'll move school resource officers off campuses and into regular patrol positions. So that contributes to things. Um, a different school psychologist in Tampa told me that she's at a school with really high teacher turnover. And it's a school that's had a lot of a lot of issues in the past and that high teacher turnover also contributes to students needing to see counselors because there's a lack of stability in their lives and they have tons of teachers and it seems like no one is really taking charge of them or mentoring them in a way that would be positive to them so maybe they need to see a counselor more to to have more stability so all of these school funding issues are highly intertwined there's just one other thing i want to talk about and it's slightly related it's it's talking about the um student walkouts that have been planned. And one actually already took place where the students across the state are leaving their schools for 17 minutes to support the students who were, or recognize the students who were killed in Parkland and to also support them in their efforts to get increased school safety and gun control. What I, what I think is cool about it is the principals and superintendents who are now going out on, on public forums to say, we support these kids and we want to find a way to let them speak their voices, to let them participate to the point where the Pasco County School District, where I sit usually, actually said, hey, look, there are five academic standards that the state promotes on civic participation. And let's just cite those and let the students go out and walk so long as they have not caused any disciplinary problems. And I just find that to be cool and um, a nice way to make it still be about education, but let kids who this really affects have something to say beyond just going to up to Tallahassee where so many people cannot get. Yeah, that is really fascinating. And it is interesting to see that, I mean, we've talked about before how this entire debate is really being led by the Parkland students themselves. And there's all these advocacy groups that are kind of uh, jumping on the boat, let's say, and, um, you know, joining the students in press conferences and things like that. But at the end of the day, those voices do not ring nearly as loudly as the voices of the students. So it's cool to see, like you said, that that uh, kind of the adults of the world um, are recognizing that and are letting kids be active in in this discussion and letting them do something that you would probably not expect them to do, which is walk out of class. So that is fascinating. Now, yeah, now we just have to find out if they're going to be disappointed with what happens in the legislature and what they're going to do about that. Definitely. So, Emily, we're going to call it a podcast. All right. Unless you have anything else you'd like to add? Nope, I think that just about covers it. Thanks so much. Well, great. Then we will catch back up again next week. Is next week the last week? Next week is the last week. Wow, I didn't think like it would ever come. <laughs> That's the end of our podcast. If you'd like to participate in this conversation, please visit our Facebook page, Tampa Bay Times Gradebook. Follow the latest breaking news on our blog, tampabay.com slash blogs slash gradebook. And please, again, give us a rating on iTunes so that way more people can find this podcast. I'm reporter Jeff Solacek. Thanks again for listening.